Hi everyone and welcome back to Tumult. I'm so excited you're here with me and I'm very excited about this episode. If you already know what today's episode is about, then that's good. That's very good because that probably means that you follow me on Instagram and Tumult Podcast. So today's episode is about what I think you should know before traveling to Saudi Arabia on a tourist visa. Okay, so I felt that this episode was useful and necessary. I went to Saudi Arabia earlier this year and it is a very unusual travel destination um, because they only opened their tourist visas September 2019, so that's maybe four months ago now. I felt that it was kind of hard to, to get um, information on the topic I thought I was gonna try to put together a comprehensive review, um, aka guide, if you think about traveling to Saudi Arabia, but also if you're just very curious about Saudi Arabia and what it entails to to be there, um, what you have to keep in mind before going there. We're gonna talk about the visa application process, about modesty dress codes, gender segregation, social norms, prayer times and what they entail, Vision 2030, recommendations and we're gonna have a guest on the show, um, a friend of mine, Mashadi, he's born and raised in Riyadh, in the city I've been to and he's gonna give us a little bit of an evaluation of the perceived impact of the recent tourism influx in Saudi Arabia, so yeah. I hope you enjoy and let's get into it. start with the visa application process because honestly it's very very easy and I didn't expect it to be this easy but there's one important tip that I need to give you so this is very important for the people who actually want to go to Saudi Arabia basically they promote a visa on arrival so that you actually don't have to get a visa apply for a visa beforehand but please Make sure that you do because you can apply for the e-visa it's going to be out in like one hour it takes one hour to fill everything in and to pay and then you're going to get it and you're going to be relieved because every airport i was in uh they asked for that visa and i'm i'm not sure what would have happened if i wouldn't have had it and also in riyadh there was nobody sitting at the visa on arrival desk because it was late at night so make sure you get the visa out very comprehensive there's one official page for it and i'm gonna link it in the show notes it's called visitsaudi.com and it also shows you all the countries that are eligible for the e-visa um, at the moment it is a total of 49 countries most european countries and beyond so just check that list if your country is eligible for that type of visa application you're gonna get it in literally five minutes after you applied and paid 
and you're gonna get uh, health insurance with it you have to take health insurance so if you already have international health insurance it doesn't really help you you have to pay it but anyways it's only 110 euros and they give you a full year so honestly a very good deal and a very easy process and yeah I was really pleased with that. So you have your visa, that's great. Maybe you already booked your flights before. There's quite a few direct flights from Germany to Riyadh. And it's it's interesting how people sometimes think how far Saudi is because it's not far. It's only like four and a half hours if you have a direct flight from Munich, for example. And you're in a completely different world. But before you get to be there you have to be aware of certain things um you don't need any vaccinations or anything like that at least if you go to a saudi city and not like uh, rural areas and yeah in that case you probably have to get a malaria shot but of course inform yourself about that if you go to a city you're fine with your usual vaccinations and now to the spicy stuff there's a lot of things you cannot bring to Saudi Arabia due to various uh, issues and various reasons. But most importantly, and also I'm gonna provide a list of all the prohibited items. And I do feel like they have become a little bit more relaxed with these guidelines, but just stick to stick to the core ones because they really don't joke around with that stuff. So really be aware that you don't bring alcohol in any shape or form um not in not in like chocolate not in small bottles not in anything it's gonna get you into a lot of trouble also don't bring gelatin if you can at least that's what i um that's what i made sure and um nothing that is essentially haram and of course you have to inform yourself about uh, those various things but if you go to the emirates it it might not be as strict but saudi is a different country different rules different ideology so make sure respect that there is one myth i would like to debunk um right now because that's also something that i thought was true is that you cannot go to saudi arabia if you have an israeli stamp in your passport but they declare on their official website that i mentioned earlier that it's not the case so just so you know that you don't have to worry about it if you've been to israel before so all right so when you're in saudi and preferably before you go it's gonna save you some hassle you should think about what you're gonna wear and to be honest, it's very hard to um, to to pack for a visit to Saudi because um, for modesty and respect reasons, religious reasons, you have to be aware that certain clothes are simply not accepted and allowed. And I got a lot of questions from my friends if I will have to wear a headscarf, the hijab, which is one of the traditional ways for Muslim women to to dress and for tourists that doesn't apply um, as you know the traditional arabic dress the abaya is very very common and the variations on the headscarf um, you will see many of them the most frequent one i think is the hijab closely followed by the niqab it's the one where um, 
your face is covered except for your eyes and there's also a, another variation that I've never seen before. I, I really struggle to find the name for it because uh, online it, it is often described as burka but that's mainly if you refer to the to Afghani women. So it's basically um, a niqab and you wear another veil over your eyes so even your eyes are not really um, visible. You can just look through the, the mesh of, of the fabric. And as a Western woman or as a tourist in general, you're not expected to wear the abaya. You're not expected to do it. But Saudi is in a, in a state of change where all these rules are very undefined and, and you don't really know what goes and what is not allowed. And so for me, it was most comfortable to simply wear the abaya because it made me feel the most respectful and I didn't have to think about it all the time what am I gonna wear is it modest enough so yeah I wanted to get one beforehand but I was too late I went there with a trench coat it was completely fine in the airport nobody cares really I was I was a little bit embarrassed of myself of how much I thought I was gonna stand out Riyadh is is like a metropolitan city, right? Just because they haven't had tourist visas doesn't mean it was completely isolated from the world. There were people going there for business, for um, Hajj and Umrah. So really, it was not as isolated as I thought it was in a way. So really, you don't have to worry about it too much. Just you have to gauge it. Things are changing so rapidly in Saudi. And hopefully we're gonna make an episode on that one day with a sociologist who can analyze that for me and everybody because it's really astonishing how fast and radically the Saudi society is, is changing. And that also concerns the norm of wearing the abaya. The abaya has been basically um, worn to to not attract a lot of attention, etc. But you will see uh, more and more women, Saudi women, without it. And now we're gonna hear from Mashari, a friend of mine who was born and raised in Riyadh. And he's gonna tell us what he thinks, what the impact of the tourist visa and Saudi opening its doors for tourists has on the Saudi society. So yeah, a little personal assessment of the situation and I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm so excited really and... The main question I want to ask you is what do you think is going to change or is already changing with Saudi opening uh, tourist visas? And do you think it plays at all into the social change that we are seeing in Saudi? Hello. I'm so happy that I'm here. Thank you guys for having me. With regards to your question, I think tourism has done us a lot of good. Um, I think Saudi, as it was perceived before, was not a very attractive tourist destination. But with the efforts of the Authority of Entertainment, it has really become a hub, or becoming a hub, rather. Because uh, there's a lot of new ideas that are popping in Saudi. Uh, mainly 
or the ones of note are Shita um, Tantura. That basically means winter at Tantura, and it's an area in Saudi Arabia, uh, in or close to Al Ula, and it's basically a festival uh, that is going on for almost three months, uh, where you can experience a lot of different things. It's kind of high class. They offer events at very special locations and historical sites, and. It's very prominent for its culinary experience. And uh, a festival that the, that they did, I think back in December or November, uh, that was called Middle Beast. Middle Beast was one of the largest, if not the largest, festival in the entirety of the Middle East. And it brought in so many, and I think they were invited. So... Um, they invited a lot of influencers, models, you know, people who are out there to shed light on what Saudi wants to be and can be. So, um, yeah, I think mainly because of all the efforts that are being put in at the moment, Saudi is slowly but surely changing what it wants people to know it as that's to answer the first part of your question um, what tourism has done for the common Saudi I think is just more time with and to encounter um uh, just foreigners and that in of itself can be viewed as something very significant or it can be seen and this it can be disregarded but I'm more with the faction of people who think that it's something very significant because with that comes a lot of uh, understanding uh, it comes you know, just seeing that people who look differently than you are or believe or think or behave or see life and view life differently aren't that much different from who you as a human essentially are. Um, I think because a lot of people have uh, their main encounter with Westerners, people who are not Arab, through the internet and the movies and series. I mean, I cannot generalize, uh, mainly talking about myself, but for the longest time and before my first trip abroad, I just saw them as this something that is mystical, you know? They were the people who are in movies, they were the people who I read about or I just did not correlate or and I did not see any relation to what was portrayed about their values, beliefs, belief systems uh, and how I go about and conduct my own business. I just saw it as this something that was separate from life and I was lucky enough 
fortunate enough to go abroad and to act and make a lot of friends from that part of the world. But many uh, people I know haven't had that opportunity and were not as lucky as I am. And now with the tourist uh, visas opening, I think that just makes it a little bit more easier. They have the option of uh, seeing them in their own environment, which I think even to the most devout and strict fundamentalist will be a safer environment to get to know that way of thought and to accept it eventually, hopefully. Thank you so much for giving us such valuable insights into Saudi and the culture and the people. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'm happy to have had this opportunity. And on the note of social change, um, I want to add something. And it concerns the topic of gender segregation. So gender segregation was something that was very, very common in Saudi Arabia. Um, it concerned schools, workplace, gyms, most areas of life except for hospitals. And it is basically inspired by the Sharia law and Sharia is the strict interpretation of, of Islamic teaching basically that unrelated women and men should not mix in private nor in public without a third party being there. So how that manifested was that for restaurants there was often a physically separated space for singles. Is Often it is translated as singles but it's more like bachelors, so single men and families which can include brother or sister or really a whole family, uh, husband and wife. And this rule is now no longer enforced. It's not quite clear and a lot of the restaurants still have different entrances for different audiences. But if you go there as a single woman and you see that there is a restaurant that is still segregated, you should go to the family section because the bachelor section is still only for men and in turn if you are a man traveling there or even a group of men then you always have to go to the bachelor section so moving on you're in Riyadh maybe you're going to Riyadh and you're going to see a very very beautiful airport honestly the airport is gorgeous and then you probably would like to know that there's prayer times I mean we know that there's five prayers a day in Islam, but in Saudi, they're really, they heavily influence the day. They have a big part in the day. Five times a day, all the mosques, they're calling out for prayer. And it used to be a very strict regulation that all the shops close during those 15 to 20 minutes um, of prayer. But actually, this law is no longer enforced now shops like coffee shops restaurants and just uh, regular retail stores they can remain open if they pay an unspecified fee that's what it literally says online but it was interesting to see that 
most shops and stores they still close i assume that maybe only the large franchises can maybe afford that fee but even tim hortons closed <laughs> and you're gonna hear a prayer in the morning so before sunrise it's called al fajr um, you're gonna hear one at midday so after the sun passes its highest point it's called al thuhur um, then one at the late part of the afternoon, Al-Asr, and just after sunset, a very popular time for people to meet. Uh, and they would say, yeah, let's meet after Al-Maghrib. And then between sunset and midnight, there's another one called Al-Isha. Maybe download an app or check online when the prayer times in your specific location are also if you go out with uh, saudi locals it's a different time sentiment like i'm german and people have this crazy <laughs> image of germans and punctuality and maybe there's a little bit of truth to that but honestly for me it's just the the clock the physical clock or digital whatever is the only measure of time and and orientation in in a sense and in in saudi and i think generally in the middle east it's really the prayer times that structure your day so if you if you want to go out for dinner you say we go out after uh, maghreb for example it it really depends and since it changes every day it's very you know fluid and I like that, but you should really be aware of that. If, you, if you're if you meeting someone and they say, yeah, let's meet after this prayer, then you should know what they're referring to. So and now you're about to meet up with your friends and you have to get there somehow. So you should know that Saudi currently doesn't have a metro system or any system of public transport, but it's almost finished. They've been building a very broad metro system a mainly on-ground metro, not subterranean, and it's uh, supposed to finish in the summer this year. They're not quite sure yet, so keep yourself informed because I think it's going to be very easy to get around. As you can imagine, Riyadh is a huge city and the only means of transport are cars, so the streets are cramped, people are in traffic jams basically all the time round the clock really so i'm so happy they're getting a metro because it's gonna take some pressure off the streets and i think it's gonna be a very nice and eco-friendly way to get around but of course um until the metro is finished or like in any case you can use uber uber is a very popular form of transport and works just like it works everywhere else so now i'm gonna tell you some recommendations and things that i think you would enjoy in riyadh specifically um, I was there during Riyadh season. It's a uh, program by Mohammed bin Salman that also, like the metro and everything is in this program called Vision 2030. Basically, if you really dissect it, it's much more, but in the core, it is um, releasing Saudi from the, from the reliance of oil and diversifying the economy and income. And Riyadh season this entertainment boom is one of them so there was like the Riyadh Boulevard is a huge like outdoor shopping mall then the Sahara city where you could sit in tents with the uh, different tribes and have tea and see them dance and everything so 
a more or less authentic experience you know st still staged but in a way really nice and interesting and um there was a lot of like activities like quad quad bikes and sand in the dunes there was a lot of things to do particularly at the time i was there mainly due to riyadh season um so the general things that i did apart from riyadh season was visiting uh the 303 for example it's like a very modern hub for like cool people it is in the so-called financial city uh, so a very modern very impressive location and you can have coffee tea dessert and uh, you can just roam around uh, when i was there there was an art exhibition of uh, young saudi artists it was really really nice and i think it's a nice way to maybe start off your time in riyadh get to know um, the dynamics of the society and and you can go to al Faisalia tower it's also very close to there it's basically um, a tower that has at, at the top a globe <laughs> and you can go up there and you can have a view over Riyadh and it's very impressive and I would definitely recommend you to do that so you can get a feel for the city and there is another thing I want to recommend to you and it's to do a kishta at Wadi Hanifa. Wadi Hanifa is like a valley close to the palace of Mohammed bin Salman. It's like a valley in the city, like you're in the city but you're not. And it feels very quiet compared to the vastness and intensity of Riyadh. And a kishta is basically a picnic and bring like a particular type of wood. I think it's called summer. It smells absolutely great. Like... I'm used to like bonfires that where your hair smells really bad and really gross after it. With this one, you actually smell nice after it. It was weird. So I think you should do that if you maybe know someone from Saudi. And for all the vegans and vegetarians listening, I'm a vegetarian myself. And um, I do sometimes make exceptions for like cultural experiences. But there's so many vegetarian options in Saudi if you know where to go and mainly Lebanese restaurants are a good location for that or basically a lot of the snacks uh, traditionally Saudi snacks and dishes are vegetarian or you just leave out the meat so they're very flexible with that and it shouldn't be a problem for you you can also go to the old town and the Masmak, the former historical center of Riyadh. But of course, I'm going to link all of these locations and the things to do in the show notes. And you can look it up and it will be at your disposal. And as we are reaching, slowly reaching the end of this episode, there is a disclaimer or something that I do not want to leave unsaid. And while I was doing research for this episode, I came across a lot of controversy um, on the internet about people going to Saudi Arabia especially famous people they were sponsored more or less by the Saudi government to visit the Middle Beast Festival for example or other uh, major events that mm, just now take place in Saudi Arabia and a lot of people were heavily criticizing that and were saying that um, how can you be part of this authoritarian government how can you support it and um, if there's monetary 
aspects then I do understand where they are coming from but I think the general just blunt statement of you cannot go there because you're supporting the country I have a, a different opinion on that because I think and a lot of people asked me that um, what are the, the the prejudices that have been revoked by me going there and it's really for me I mean I care a lot about the politics um, I have friends living there and I do care a lot about these things but I think it's very important in cases like these to detach the people the society and yeah just you know the the, the humanness the humanity of the culture from the politics from the regime um, and I think a lot of people fail to do that and that's why I, I felt I had to add that and this is simply a reality that I do not want to disguise everyone who has internet can can read up on that the social changes and the changes on the human rights and on the fundamentalist domain they are really taking place but there's still a lot of remainders of a strict and fundamentalist past and there is still this uh, ministry called ministry for the propagation of virtue and prevention of vice as you can tell by the title it is basically an institution that now passively but formally actively uh, implemented enforced the rule of sharia onto the saudi society onto the saudi people it is not active anymore, so tourists can really roam freely, and I never felt unsafe. I think people deserve to be detached from politics, and that's what I'm trying to do. And yeah, honestly, if you decide to go, you're probably going to have a wonderful time. Um, and inform yourself, of course, about current events. And I hope this episode helped you to understand some things that you were wondering about or answer some of your questions ideally i really really hope you enjoyed it um, i hope it was informative for the people actually thinking about going to saudi and for the ones who were curious about how it is to be there as a tourist um, i hope i answered all of your questions if you still have any remaining questions please just email me on tomorrowpodcast at gmail.com or on instagram at tomorrow podcast i'd be thrilled to receive a message from you also i want to uh, invite you to send me things that interest you like i'm very open at the moment i just moved i'm living in austria now and um, i'm very open to approach people and interview them about a lot of things that you're interested in so if you want that middle person, I can be that middle person for you. I can do an episode for something that you are interested in. And I honestly, and I think everyone who once started a little project knows, I'm very grateful for even the m most minimal participation in anything I put out. If it's a like on my Instagram page, if it's um, a share, if, it, if you tell somebody about it, honestly, it means so much to me. So thank you if you're doing that and have a wonderful day and I'll see you soon.
it should be finished in about damn it my phone oh oh no oh yeah yeah, yeah no don't talk <laughs> don't talk um yeah okay 